regret that you said Texas talking I'm gonna hoop up inside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust when Texas Hello, I'm Mike Collier. I'm the businessman who's exploring the race for Texas Comptroller as a Democrat. I'm going to base my decision to run on two very important factors. First, is Wendy Davis running for governor? And second, will Reeve Hamilton reach puberty? And now here's this week's TribCast. I don't know if that sort of talk is going to get anyone elected, but thank you anyway. <laughs> this is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the TribCast for the first week of September. Joining me is CEO and editor-in-chief Evan Smith. That's a good intro. Well, do you think it'll make for a good candidacy? What was that about Dan Huberty at the end? Is that what he said? Dan, something about Dan Huberty? Yeah, when, right. <laughs> he's going to take on Reed Dan reaches Dan Huberty. <laughs> I did cover Dan Huberty's first race. You did. Do you ever uh, call him Dan Puberty by mistake? No, I would. I never. bet he's never heard that from. I'm him. certain, yeah, never, yeah, ever. Dan, never. No, I mostly. I made. I made a uh, Dan jokes. I didn't really focus make, on make his last name. He left the Huberty out. Huberty's yeah, too it. easy. When it it is. Dan's challenging. Executive editor Ross Ramsey is also here. Howdy. And assistant managing editor Ian Mitra, who will do his own sort of charming, folksy hello. Yo. <laughs> He's kind of the Wiz Khalifa of the podcast, right? He's the so hippest what, guy in the room. What would his mother sound like if she were here? Oh, I, I don't, don't make me break out the Mrs. Khalifa impression. It's, that's for the blooper reel at the end of the year, I think. All right. Well, it's fresh off the heels of Mike Collier's potential foray into Texas politics. Let's talk about someone who's trying to get out of the scene. And just in time. Yeah. The only thing Wallace Jefferson would say, I, you know, if you ask him what he's going to do, he says, I don't know yet. And I, so I asked him, what are you not going to do? And he said, well, I won't be running for office again. <laughs> I'm done with all of that. What if you uh, ask Wallace Jefferson who he is? What would he say? He'd say, I'm the chief justice of the Texas Supreme Court. Well played footnote, sir. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, you got two guys here who have daughters about to uh, go to college pretty soon. And I think in Wallace Jefferson's case, the prospect of having to pay college tuition was one of the reasons that he got out of yeah, public he, service. He huh? was real careful to say, right. he, he said, I'm not complaining about my salary because we get paid, you know, well. I think it's 170 now. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, Which doesn't sound that bad. And sitting here on, the, on my podcast. Salary. But if you're if you're a lawyer at that level, he was a he was an accomplished appellate lawyer before he was on the Texas Supreme Court. And if you're a lawyer at that level, that's about a 25 percent of your salary or 20 percent yeah. of your salary that you could make. He's got a kid in college. He's got a kid who I think is a senior in high school who will be in college next year. He said, you know, it's just time to take care of my family. And the other part of this is he's been on the court for 12 years. He's been the chief justice for seven, I And think. that's a court that's had an unbelievable amount of turnover over these 12 years, right. and he has been a constant in an ever-changing right. bench, right? So give him credit for sticking around. I think he's just, I think he's just ready for something new um, in, in large measure. He's been an advocate for opening the records of the court, getting them online, put cameras in the courtroom. A lot of the records are electronic. They're about to really dive in, I think, 100 percent into electronic filing at the court. So basically, it'll be an open book. It'll probably be an open book that very few people read, but it'll be well. We book. will, you know, right. Yeah, right? Given um, the fact that we're so data obsessed and that the media is moving in that direction, we will welcome that when that happens because it'll make our ability to cover the stuff that much and, easier. And he took an interesting tack on some things that that I, some of his predecessors avoided, and you know, I think a lot of his the people that come after him are probably going to follow, and that was working actively on policy and legislation. So he was active in. As was Nathan Hackton getting um, indigent legal aid for people who, you know, it's expensive to go to court and, and lower and middle class people can't do it. And they got the legislature for the first time to make direct appropriations to that. 
Uh, he's been an advocate for, not successfully yet, but he's been an advocate, as was Tom Phillips before him, for merit selection of judges, thinks it's a good idea to get them off the ballot, not do partisan elections. And his point is if you go to Harris County and look at the look at the ballot, there's six pages of judges you've never heard of. And so you either vote the flag, you know, the red flag or the blue flag, or you vote, oh, that's a pretty cool name. And, you know, he thinks that's you know, or or, or the reverse. It, he puts it very dryly. That's that's not an indication of judicial performance. Or, or the, the reverse has also been true in a couple of cases. Oh, I don't like that name. That person seems foreign. Well, right. That was and a so particular you end up, problem in Houston. You end right? up voting for somebody whose name is blander and more familiar to you. You know, witness the the dispatching of Xavier Rodriguez from right. the court back into the private sector in favor of a guy whose last name I think was Smith. Right. Right. I mean, it just Which was is about as bland a name terri- as possible. It's a ter- ter- <laughs> terrible name. You know, I also remember Justice Jefferson at one point, Chief Justice Jefferson, talking about innocence. Right. This is this which is, is not the purview of the Supreme Court, which is a body that is more of a civil as opposed to criminal appellate body. But he stepped out and said, "Look, I think we've got to be sure that the system is working, even for people who are." Guilty, they've got to be sure that we treat them fairly, and especially people who claim that they're innocent. There's got to be a mechanism to make certain that we're convicting and sending away the right people. Right, right. And the overarching thing, you know, that, um, you know, sort of the civics piece of this on both the elections thing and on the justice thing is, you know, that these tear down the courts. If judges are running for office and gathering money from people who, as it turns out, have business before the court, that makes people wonder whether the courts are fair. If people are going to jail or worse to the death chamber, and they're innocent, that makes people wonder whether the courts are fair. So the judicial integrity thing, you know, line runs through all of that. And so he is out in less than a month, right? His yeah. last day is October and, and, Yeah, but before we get to what happens now and, and post that, let me just say one more thing. I think his race is often discussed, and it's like the first or second line in any story about his tenure, and it will certainly be uh, you know, go, for all time, he'll be remembered as having been a pathbreaker in terms of being the first African American chief justice. But you know, he was a very interesting uh, 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 guy on this subject. If you engaged him on the subject of race, his he, he is the, obviously descended from s- slaves. His right. family goes back to to the Waco area at some point. In fact, I believe I interviewed him for TV a long time ago, so I'm remembering this almost kind of half clearly. But I believe that actually. One of his ancestors was essentially the first African American council member, maybe in what is it, McLennan County is the is McLennan the, County, McLennan County, Waco. He, he it's actually a really interesting story. Right. Uh, Jefferson was a role model for, and and the, the a, a rare person in the judiciary in Texas to really be as out front and be as uh, as, as visibly a, a, a breaker of, of of ceilings or barriers or what have you. And I, I think that. You know, we we can glide past that, but he was a very significant figure in right. the modern history of of the judiciary. And people even talked about him running, you know, as you know, for attorney general. There was some so well, could is Jefferson going to have a career past this? And, and obviously, the answer is is no. And so you're moving to the what happens next part. So what happens which next? Which is interesting. The governor will appoint a chief justice. Now he can go inside the court and pick one of the eight justices who are there, or he can go outside the court and and both replace. Jefferson, you know, on the court, the ninth judge, and also make that new appointee chief justice. Bring, bring in somebody and just right. make them chief justice on day one. Right. right, right. So the the betting line right now is the three people that you hear most about on the court are Nathan Hecht, who is the longest serving member of this court and about to be the longest serving member of any court. Uh, judge come, come Justice January, Joe right? Greenhill, I think, has the record right now. Right. And come January, Hecht will. 
Uh, he's the longest-serving appellate judge. I think this is right. The longest-serving appellate judge in Texas history. He was on the Fifth Circuit in Dallas before he was on the Supreme Court. Um, anyway, so so one way is to go there. Another way would be to pick Don Willett, who worked for George Bush in the governor's office for uh, Greg Abbott and maybe for John Cornyn in the attorney general's office before being appointed to the court. Um, and Eva Guzman, who would also be – you know, like Jefferson, like Jefferson, you're you're breaking down a wall. You know, be the first Latina and the first female chief justice on the court. Do you think Willett is, Willett is the only is the only right now, as he likes to say, he's the only statewide elected official who is a graduate of Baylor. <laughs> so I suppose that's a, a significant card that could be. Do you think uh, do played you think, in his favor? Do you think Willett's Tribcast intro will help or hurt him? I well, think that, it will a, probably haunt him. As 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 you know, <laughs> but uh, his Twitter I've, feed will help him. As <laughs> as you know, I have been on record saying that I believe that Willett's Tribcast intro is the very best Tribcast intro <laughs> of all time. Better than Wendy Davis is better than anybody else's, and I know this. Oh, that will, giant sucking sound you hear. I know this will speak very he- uh, favorably for him in the. In the fight to be chief, well, and, and he knows to use the hashtag Tribcast. He always, oh, believe me, better than anybody. <laughs> so, um, so, so the betting on the court as we tape this seems to be on hacked, and you know the idea there is that it would be a valedictory run for you know somebody who's been on the court for a long, long time. Uh, and he might take it with the knowledge that because if you inherit Jefferson's job, correct me if I'm wrong, you are then obligated to seek re-election in 2014, even if your own term is not up. Right, because you're running for a different place on the court. You're running for a different place in the court, Chief Chief Justice. Justice. So if if Heck becomes the guy, Heck has to then run again in 2014 or decide not to run again. And the thought, as you say, is that maybe Heck would do this as a victory lap. Right. Become Chief Justice, retire as Chief Justice, and then you have a free – a free shot, whoever you are, wants to be. Or he might say, you know, I've been an appellate judge all my adult life. I like being an appellate judge. Yum. I like this, I'm Chief I like this robe. I'm going to run for re-election. And, you know, Willett and Guzman can go on to whatever the next thing in their careers are, or they can wait. So will this make for a more conservative, moderate? I don't think this changes, unlike, I don't think this changes the court. I, I think, you know, really the, the place where the next chief justice probably will make a difference or not is, you know, in the things that they do outside of the court and the administration of the courts. You know, this is the high administrative official in the state court system, in the civil state court system. And it's the guiding projects like the the innocence thing that Jefferson has talked about, like the uh, indigent legal aid thing yep. that he and Hecht worked on, projects like that that are kind of outside of the daily case decisions and all of that kind of stuff. That's where a chief justice really makes a mark. All right. Well, Perry has not given – I should say Perry hadn't really given any indication which way he wants to go, who he might appoint next. And how soon he's going to make the appointment. One of the dark horse bets here is the newest member of the court is Jeff Boyd, who was the His governor's chief, chief of staff. staff right. and, and one of the dark horse bets was, well, you know, that's the judge he's closest to at the moment. It might be that he just elevates Jeff Boyd, who's on the ballot has next he, year has anyway. He, how many of the current judges are people he's appointed that's a, I'd have question. to go back and look, but you know, at, at this point, at this point, um, half. I think maybe? it's. I think it's the majority. Yeah. Okay. Either appointed by him and then elected, or elected first while he was governor. Okay. Well, shall we move from uh, the judicial branch to the legislative branch and talk about Jim Pitts, the House Appropriations Chairman? You wrote a great story. I will. I will give you that about uh, Pitts and his son and. Tell us all the about continuing it. Wallace I, Hall saga. Shall I fill people in, or shall you? You go you, for it. Go you, for it. You yeah. fill people in. Uh, well, basically, I mean, the the current situation is that, uh, as many of you know, the is there is an effort underway in the legislature to consider 
filing articles of impeachment against Wallace Hall, who's a region of the embattled University of Texas system. Jim Pitts, the House Appropriations Chair, has been an, a sort of very vocal uh, supporter of impeachment. And uh, Hall's lawyer a few weeks ago sort of explained why he has behaved in some of the way he's behaved that he people he, well, Hall he Hall has behaved. took issue with. Right. right? So he's, he's asked for tons of information from the University of Texas at Austin, and they've spent a lot of time and money providing it to him or not providing it to him. It's all been sort of very tense situation. And he says one of the things he says he's looking for is he thinks that there is sort of secret favoritism in the admissions process at UT Austin and that uh, lawmakers and, and big donors are getting their uh, sort of unqualified people into the law school by uh, sort of exerting undue influence. And he in the letter, they said that a representative wrote a letter on behalf of their son to attend a UT Austin graduate school. Didn't say the lawmaker's name. Because you right. get into FERPA violations. Right. Right. It didn't mention which, part, which school, which right. graduate. And, and FERPA is the family educational and educational you, rights. You're and out there all alone. Family, <laughs> it's Family Educational <laughs> Rights and Privacy Act. And uh, basically, it's, it protects your private information. It's kind but, of the educational equivalent of HIPAA. Right. Right. So, so they, so they didn't say. That was helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it was. A couple of us know what HIPAA is. You don't know what HIPAA is, Ross? It's the it's psych. The health, it's, it's, it's the health version of FERPA. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's actually a pretty good answer. Uh, but so anyway, so so it didn't specify who it was, but many people sort of. Honed in, or as a grammar person emailed me today, homed in, whichever one you prefer. Ian, you want to chime in there? Which one is better? Your grandmother wrote to you? No, a, gram, a grammar home, Nazi. Home on something. You don't Your grandmother's a Nazi? What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I got a hearing problem. Wow. So I they, think they got some furpa they in quickly, my ears. They quickly homed in on Pitts, whose son recently graduated from the law school. And um, National Review wrote a story in which he didn't deny writing a letter for his son. Uh, but which and they took the non-denial as sort of a confirmation. Uh, Michael Quinn Sullivan has been after Pitts for this, and sort of his minions have been blogging about it. Uh, Perry's staff, Governor Perry's staff, sort of insinuated this earlier in the summer. Um, and so it's, it's and then Pitts. Well, I was talking to him on the phone, and he said, "Look, I did write a letter for my son. Uh, I've written countless letters for constituents and friends, uh, and that's about it. You know, I haven't called and asked for special treatment. I've just." filed my recommendation like anyone would do. Well, the specific thing here was some the, the idea that some legislator's child had gotten into law school who didn't deserve to be in law school because they hadn't passed the, the LSAT. And the well, or, gradu- or graduate school, right? I mean, right. it wasn't specified as law school, but yes. Hadn't, 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 hadn't passed all the requisite tests. And, and didn't Pitts tell you that his son retook the test? Or Pitts, yeah. The, the Hall's letter said that the, the child had not retaken the exam and whatever the graduate exam was for whatever school the student was trying to get into. And Pitts said that his son did take the exam. Right. Uh, so, but I mean, the question is, you still got a lot of angry comments on that story saying like, oh, I wish I had the political clout to get my son or daughter into law school. I, you know, let me, I'm not endorsing this, but is anybody surprised that somebody with some influence over a school got somebody into a school? I mean, this well, is. Well, we don't even know that he got, I mean, part of it is if, we don't even if, know if he got him into a school. But if so, I mean, you know. Is there anything wrong with somebody writing a letter? 
I just think it's, in a little bit, it's still a little bit interesting that a father would write a letter for his son. That it, it, you know, it is the a lot of applications when you're, is, you yeah. you have to go outside of your family, you right. know, for references or things like that. So to me, that makes it seem a right. little bit, you know, a little bit strange. Lord but. Fauntleroy got little Lord Fauntleroy into school. Well, at least he didn't Film drop Steve McCraw's name. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, in the in, in in the annals of seeming influence. Yeah. So the, yeah, so yeah, is it easier to get into know, UT law school or to get out of jail out of the Allen Police Department? Right. No, I mean, look, you know, Pitts wrote a letter for his son. People do things for their kids. The school is not obligated to take Pitts's letter and treat Pitts's letter or the kid any differently than you'd treat any other parent's letter or any other recommender's letter or any other kid's letter. Hall's – I mean, I think the interesting thing is here, Hall's lawyers, if you kind of play this out, is he complaining that Pitts wrote the letter or is he complaining that UT – in attempting to suck up to this powerful committee chairman, basically said, we're going to waive our typical admissions request. Is the problem on the UT end or the Pitts end well, if in there's, Hall's if, mind? If, if it was anything but a righteous admission, it's on both ends. Because, you know, the appropriations chairman— But do we have any way of knowing? And does Hall well, no, have any way of knowing whether— if, if it I is think this... in, um, in Hall's mind and, and the community of people that are sort of uh, kicking up dust over this— there sort of is not a big difference between Pitt's end and UT's end. They sort of they see it's the same end. Yeah, right? of the of the two teams yeah. in the impeachment UT UT system ongoing kerfuffle, uh, Pitts and UT are the same team. So the fact that Pitts has been a defender of uh, Bill Powers and has been an antagonist of Wallace Hall's, in fact, has called what Wallace Hall has done a witch hunt. Uh, He's tantamount to – he may as well be bathed in burnt orange light for all Wallace Hall cares. He's, he is an extension of UT. So it's all bad. Right. I mean I, I think it's, it's pretty clear that sort of he's being targeted as a result of going after Hall. And he's targeting Hall as a result of his sense that Hall's going after powers. You know, it was like uh, – you know, it's, it's largely political. So what about but, this suggestion that, that the reason Hall is not running again is because of the revelation – Pitts. Oh, but pardon me, the reason that Pitts is not running – I mean, so, Hall's not running for anything either. At all. Right? Not so anymore. The reason <laughs> Pitts is not running again is because of the revelation that he wrote a letter for his kid. Pitts right. denied so, so, that to you, so right? So Pitts, Pitts announced his resignation the day after the National Review wrote this. He didn't deny it story. Uh, and he said, look, I wrote my resignation announcement back in May. People have known that I was going to retire for a while now. And I think that that is – and that's actually that, that's held actually, it off that, because of the special session. Well, yeah. I mean, the timing's the timing is rotten, and and it does look like he's you know running from a fire. But it is it was pretty well known that he was going to retire after this session. Right. I mean, that's been around that's been around Mar- since March or April. Now the thing is, is that uh, I mean, we've asked for the because the, these allegations have been going around. We've asked for sort of documentation of lawmakers and regents seeking preferential treatment for people and they're not turning that over to us so i mean there's and this gets into the purpose stuff yeah uh so there's the question of you know we can't really see the letters uh that hall is referring to to really know the substance of them or if anyone actually put drew a line in the sand and said some you know you do this and or your budget goes down or anything like that uh, You'd be stupid enough to do that. Well, that seems that's what's that seems like clear undue influence, right? It's, Saying, it's, a, it's two guys describing what's in a black box. Yeah. It's you know, it's a Schrodinger's cat. You asked uh, uh, both Hall and, and his lawyer in the last couple of days after talking to Pitts. Would you tell us, please, the identity of the person you're talking about? Was it Pitts? Will you comment on Pitts's response to me? 
and and they wouldn't talk. Right. They wouldn't say. Right, which I mean, I think is because they have to walk a fine line on privacy issues on this. I mean, it's like not surprising. I think, right. and it's, it's probable that all of this will come out in the hearing when the legislative committee that's looking into impeaching Hall has their hearing, uh, which could be, you know, next week. It could be a month. It could, I mean, it, well, now this is in the hands of Rusty Harden, right? Yeah. Right. So they've got, a, they've got a lawyer investigating mm-hmm. all of this stuff to kind of get all of the political – I mean, in some ways to get all the political hands off of it and say, just give us a clean report and tell us what's going on here. And there's, there's not, it's not an unprecedented uh, thing for there to be major shakeup over uh, sort of an influence peddling scandal. You know, the thing that the Hall defenders cite is this case in at the University of Illinois where they had like 800 – politically connected students on a special clout list, some of whom, you know, did not have their credentials checked at all before they were admitted. And that ended up ousting the president of the university and the entire board of regents or whatever they call it over there. 800 so hardly sounds exclusive. A, like clout list like that clout thing on the internet? Where no, clout with a C because they're a university oh, and they know okay. how to spell. Uh, so, I mean, there, there is precedent for it becoming a big thing. I mean, right now we have two, as we've said, sort of Two examples in a black box somewhere, which of which Pitts may or may not be one. Right. And that's the situation, which is about as clear and straightforward as the entire University of Texas uh, controversy. <laughs> so uh, shall we move on to celebrating the month of September and the new world we find ourselves in? We should let, let's. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So starting, you know, starting September 1st, a lot of laws passed by the legislator during the 73rd session went into effect. And so hopefully all you Tribune fans saw a lot of those laws pre, uh, profiled in our 31 days, 31 ways story. And I'm sure uh, so we, we, we covered some of the most some some that are a little bit more inane to some of the more interesting. I mean, there's some as serious as what the new testing structure is in public education to uh, school school breakfast program uh, expanding uh Things like that. We've, you know, now you can take, uh, if you get pulled over on the side of the road, this is one of the things that I, you know, would actually apply to me when I get, you know, get caught up for speeding. I, one of the many times <laughs> that you're speeding oh, to the right. office in the morning. Exactly. Confession. Traffic on Mopac is just crazy. Terrible. Uh, now, if you get pulled over, you don't have to dig through your glove compartment to find a, uh, your insurance form. Now you can just pop it up on your cell phone and the the officer can just take a note of the insurance number right off right off your phone. So little things like that. Yeah, that's know, great. That Although they could always <laughs> just run your information and figure out if you have insurance or not. Not that I – I mean, so I hear. Yes. Yeah. If you don't have your card <laughs> to produce. Not any yeah. run-ins, <laughs> right, with the puberty your police or something. Know you're here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, of course, then the tanning, the tanning the salon tanning. one was the – I mean, you write all the serious stuff and you think, I'm doing the people's business. This is so important. And then all anybody wants to talk about is tanning beds. Right. <laughs> no, but that's not unserious. Yeah, I, it's actually that, you know, I had a friend in Please. high school. Stuff, you know? I had a friend in high school uh, get like, you know, sun poison or something at a tanning salon and get rushed to the emergency room. I mean, it happens. That's well, why the, I stay inside sun Let me poisoning. get the world's <laughs> smallest nonprofit violin to play here. You go, I mean, and, this is not that serious. Well, if, if you read the story, there's some. You know, there's a, we have medical uh, experts talking about the we have medical experts. <laughs> we have, uh, <laughs> <laughs> shut, up, shut up, experts. Although they were they were somewhat hindered by HIPAA. Yes, they were. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They could not speak and, specifically. And, and but they yes, but they but they talked about how you know there's this they tie uh, excessive tanning to the increased risk of melanoma. Although you know. Representatives of the tanning industry say that that in, there's they question that evidence. They say it's of not, course they do, yeah. but uh, so this does affect a lot of people. Although this law specifically targeted 
uh, minors, uh, although you do have – there is some – Part Adult, of the law adults have the right to get cancer, right? Yes, yeah. Adults go. Oh, for it's it. not. It wasn't like people that are trying to get their son <laughs> from a tanning bed since they're stuck in the mines all day. That's right. <laughs> Is this something you're making a pits joke here? No. Reeves been reading. Reeves what been about reading the sun? Oh, sun like S U N. Oh, I, that's like I'm writing a recommendation letter for my S U N or something. What are you talking about? I thought you were making a joke. No, it was a minor. It was very Mr. Show of you linking the segments together. I like wasn't that. doing that. Okay, fine. <laughs> that was said for Todd's benefit no. mostly. Even even they don't know what they're so talking about. So miners can't go into tan- tanning beds. Right, Mark Mark Miner wrote a letter for the Sun. What what is that? <laughs> I think I have hearing problems today. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad. No, I think the thing mm-hmm. that people most care about is all the new uh, craft beer legislation. That's exactly what I was going to say Also next. beer. Exactly. And beer. Right. So when you beer. come out of the mine. News you can exactly. use, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's the craft beer deal. So that, yeah, the craft beer deal is now craft beer brew, craft brewers had some serious restrictions on what they could actually sell. Uh, you couldn't go into a craft brewery and buy. You could just do tastings there. And so now there's laws where you can actually buy a six-pack from a from a craft brewery, and so you don't have to get drunk until you're home. Exactly. Good. So exactly. This is where we go get the uh, the Austin Beer Garden as our as our sponsor of the podcast, right? Oh yeah, you the ABGB. Get, my new favorite place in Austin, the ABGB. Now, is a they, great craft do they, brewery. Do they, oh, they, they, are they affected by this? Yes, actually, I was talking with one of their partners about it over the weekend, and so eventually they do hope to distribute stuff, and they will be able to actually bottle sell. and sell their beer Delicious from their beer. place instead of having to send it off elsewhere. Through a distributor. And, yeah. yeah. So it's big for them. Although it means they'll have to stop selling wine whenever they do that. For some reason, month, there are a hell of a month's left. worth of stories, though. You know, I think we, we've, this is the second time we've done this following a session, and you know, you, 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 you know, intellectually you can figure out, well, there are a lot of things changed during the session, but to actually see them on paper it really is kind of a lot of... A well, this stuff things. just goes by so quickly. Yeah. They pass so many laws, and you know, and, and some of it's not apparent when they do it, and some of it is apparent, but you, something else comes up, and so you don't have time to spend on it. And it's interesting to go back and look at it and say, they did what? Yeah. Well, and, and we're paying attention as closely as anybody, and yet I think some things still escape our notice. Like today we have a story on the Tribune site as we sit here recording this by Amon Bethija about the carve-out that El Paso, Webb, and Bear Counties got on the vehicle registration Fee increase so that they could redirect money, some classic local control, right. back to uh, to transportation. I didn't know that happened until the story. Yeah, it's that's... interesting which counties actually had it happen because there were other bigger counties that have been trying to get that done too. And, and they, they couldn't, they, they and these guys it. did. So, yay, byproducts of the session. Very interesting. <laughs> Are there any other that stand out as surprising? No one mentioned my story about uh, Texas. Texas State University changing <laughs> its name hurt. to Texas State University. <laughs> How many times have they changed their name? It's like the Federal it's Witness seven, Protection Program. It's their seventh seventh what name. did they do wrong at the beginning that they had to change their name so many times? Well, their original name was what, like Southwest uh, Texas Normal Southwest College Texas Normal College for young men and women or something. I was like, uh, it was awesome. pretty ridiculous. I made half of that up. All of these were normal colleges. Though. North Texas was a normal college. That's a and then school. something happened in the state and they became right, Abbey. Abbey. They were no colleges. longer normal. Right, yeah. Abbey normal, right? But yeah, it was Texas State University of San Marcos. Now it is Texas State University and they're hoping that it will stay that way. I'm surprised that did not come up. It was one of the more substantive new laws. Donna Campbell's first bill passed in the, uh, in the regular session. Do you think she'll be back to pass more? Well, now that Lyle Larson's not running against well, this her, is I interesting. She's got a Bear County Commissioner running against her. She's, you know, it, San Antonio's business, but he lives in San Marcos, right? Doesn't not her principal <laughs> opponent some guy who lives further out of the district, th- out of the center I, of the district think, than she is? Or? I think the battle here, and you know, we haven't necessarily seen all the names, but I think San Antonio's business community had some problems with Jeff Wentworth, and so they supported 
um, Elizabeth Ames Jones and accidentally got a new senator from New Braunfels. And part of the business community in San Antonio reacted by saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is supposed to be a San Antonio seat, not a Hill Country seat. And so I think they want it back, and I think they're, you know, they're going to keep plugging. I think she's got some real challenges here, not necessarily because of, you know, who she is or, or what how she votes. But just, don't, just but don't you think? But don't you think she's the presumptive favorite? She has to be. In, you know, it's always safest An to incumbent. bet on incumbents, yeah. right? Right. You know, she she is clearly one of the people who came into the legislature who attracted a lot of notice on the front end because. You know, in previous races, she had been kind of out there. She had gone to candidate school between her congressional race and her Senate race. It was clear. Well, and she ran for Congress from a, from a home 120 miles away from where she ran for the Senate right. two years later, too. Right. And, you know, she's I have to believe that Larson not running was 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 very welcome news to her campaign. I think that's probably right. Right. That well, it. Yeah. Uh, if you have questions or comments about uh, that district or anything else or the change in Reeves voice. <laughs> Yeah, or you know any other any other craft Bobby brewery Brady moment. You're going to lay a little Bobby Brady moment on us here at the end of the podcast. No, do you know what I'm talking about? He's talking in his. No, life. I didn't watch that show because <laughs> I was not born. <laughs> uh, so what did I say? The so email yet? No. Tribcast at texastribune.org. Uh, we'd also like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our theme music. Uh, and I believe students out there might be able to see them at our live Tribcast taping at the Texas Tribune Festival, which is coming up this month. We should tell people that they can still buy tickets. Oh, yeah. I, you should tell them. So the tickets for the Tribune Festival are $160 right now for the Gen Pop. If you're a student or an educator, you can get them for 50 bucks, which is a Or just a one letter from bargain. Jen Pitts will get you in for free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, oh you're going to hell. That's it. <laughs> or you're going to Hall, maybe, as the case may be. Um, I think on the 6th of September, they go up to $195. And then on the – like two weeks after that, they go up to $225. So the price increases are coming. And if you haven't bought your tickets, the time to buy them would be now. Everybody from Greg Abbott to Ted Cruz to Wendy Davis to one Castro to the other Castro – bunch of members of Congress, agency heads, it's kind of everybody who's anybody will be speaking over those three days. Uh, but again, if you're a student or an educator, uh, $50 is a pretty cheap way to get in for the weekend. It's Woodstock for political junkies. We like that. And so, for nerds. Yep. Yep. And some of the people that will be there include Ross, Evan, Ian, and our producer, Todd. And we thank all of you for coming. This is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Why is everybody such a jerk? I just, it's me, I guess. I just, you know, they just don't like me. <laughs>